So I'm skinning the rabbit and warming up the frying pan, some onions, some garlic, some salt and pepper. My father comes down, I said, what y'all doing? And he said, oh, we're skinning this rabbit because we're about to cook it. And he said, oh, y'all are doing that wrong. He said, champ, go get a rabbit. So I went, oh, cool. All right, went and got another rabbit. And he showed me how to skin the rabbit. Now, I don't remember the difference between the skin and the rabbit. So we took both those rabbits, put them in the frying pan, cooked them up, and put them out the frying pan and ate them. And they taste exactly the same. No matter how you skin a rabbit, it's going to taste the same. Welcome to Bites and Banter, the show where I chat with random distant relatives I meet on the internet. I'm your host, Rosalind Rayborn. Today's guest is Emmanuel. Emmanuel is my fourth cousin, and he's an analytical chemist currently living in Washington, D.C. Yes, I said analytical chemist. He totally gets that most people, including me, have no clue what that means, and he's totally cool with it, which is one of the many reasons why I like him. He's smart as a whip, but he's also down to earth. He has an adorable family, a wife, and four adult kids, even though he himself doesn't look a day over 40, further proving the age-old wisdom that black don't crack. Emmanuel reminds me of my five brothers and that he always takes a really level-headed, practical, Occam's razor approach to things that's always appreciated. But he's not just all science. He put himself through college by selling homemade pound cakes, which is super left brain meets right brain. In this episode, Emmanuel drops some real gems about where to eat in D.C. We discuss the life lesson he learned while skinning rabbits back in North Carolina. He talks about setting boundaries with your adult kids and believe it or not, he makes a very strong case for why Huntsville, Alabama is one of the most underrated cities in the country. Say hello to Emmanuel, everybody. All right, so first question, what was the last great thing you ate? The last great thing I ate. Mm-hmm. You know what? <laughs> the last great thing I ate was we went to a Filipino restaurant here in D.C. Hmm. And it wasn't necessarily where we were eating. It was really cool. I'd never been to a Filipino place. Me neither. So Filipinos, like a lot of cultures in the world, they don't necessarily use utensils when they're eating. Mm. And it's like Ethiopian. Yes, exactly. Mm. But they have this buff, not a buffet thing. You can call two or three days in advance. The table behind us, they're called two or three days in advance. Mm. A woman was celebrating her 50th birthday. Mm. And what they do is they prepare this big festive meal. Mm. And what it's a base of rice, and then they bring out all these dishes. They're bringing wow. out fish. They're bringing out poultry. Oh. Uh, they're bringing out beef. They're bringing out pork. The presentation is really cool. Okay. And you, and the, I was talking to the chef, and she said she can tailor it based on different dietary needs. Oh, my goodness. And that was really cool in terms of seeing that, especially if you plan on visiting D.C. Yes. You should check it out. That sounds amazing, and I'm hoping that they're open in June when I visit. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right, because it's definitely a small-type place. Yeah. It's more like joint-type. Oh. Uh, if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? At this point in life, I think I decided it would be a salad with some salmon on it. Really? Yeah. Simple. Any specific yeah, simple spice? It provides, it provides fiber. The salmon <laughs> provides some protein. Okay. Nice. You put some cheese on there, you get a little bit of fat. And I'll put a few croutons, you get carbs, you get everything. <laughs> but, you eat so healthy. But, but, but of course, I ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the first Oh. 35, 40 years of my life. I was on oh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. God, I love a good PB&J. 
Yeah, yeah. I but, love the cookies. Yeah, at this point in life, it would definitely be all things considered, it would be a healthy salmon salad. Nice. Spinach okay. and some romaine lettuce, that that type of that type of thing. If I had twenty four hours in your city, how would you recommend that I spend the day? Yeah, twenty four hours in Huntsville, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say the uh, Space and Rocket Center. Okay. Because there's a Saturn V rocket there that took man to the moon. Oh, nice. If you had access to take a tour, I would recommend recommend going up to Redstone Arsenal to the NASA site. Mm. We can actually see where they built, go up into the tower where they actually built that rocket. That's really impressive and really cool to see. Mm. Take a drive through Research Park, go through the Hudson Alpha Institute of Biotechnology, which is, I think is over $50 million went into investing in that. Drive up to Montesano, which is the mountain. So we're at the tail end of the uh, Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm. So you can see a nice overview of Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. You can see the uh, rolling hills. It reminds me a lot of Durham. That's the reason why it originally attracted me to the place, the geography of it. We, you will get some food. There yeah, get some food. Your fair share of soul food places to choose from. I bet. A popular one is um, G's Country Kitchen. That's a popular one that's been around for a while. Another one is Betty Mays, which is soul food. Mm. Uh, if you're a carnivore, Huntsville has a lot of German history. Because oh. the people who built the rockets came over from Germany, oh. Warner von Braun and his crew. So there are a couple of German restaurants in Huntsville. So I would say partake some of the German cuisine oh. because it would be close to authentic. My 30-second spill when I'm recruiting on the road for people to consider my university. Uh-huh. You say, I'm in Huntsville, Alabama. I said, we have running water. We have electricity. We have the highest per capita of PhDs in the United States, second largest research park in the United States. People call it Pentagon South. Every defense contract there in the United States is located in Huntsville, Alabama. We have six direct flights to Washington, D.C. Our schools rank in the top 10% in the United States every single year. Uh-huh. I say so. You consider all that our university has a top five aerospace engineering department, our atmospheric science department, which tracks tornadoes, weather, et cetera, is a top five atmospheric science department. So if you just focus in on Huntsville mm-hmm. and forget the Alabama part, you'll yeah. be very, very, you'll be very, very impressed. Man, you make me want to visit. It's a nice town. What was the best piece of advice or biggest lesson you learned from your family? Hmm. That's a good question. So I'm, I'm an analytical chemist. I teach a chemistry course. Quantitative chemical analysis, which sounds scary. It's a lot of statistical analysis. It's a lot of math. And in this, I tell this story. I told you I grew up, my parents haven't been divorced. So when we're in Greenville, I did 4-H club. We we're raising rabbits. And we we're raising rabbits to eat. So came home one day and it was time to cook one of the rabbits. So my mom said, hey, champ, I grew up, that was my nickname, champ. Go kill the rabbit. So I went out, cool, going about to eat a rabbit. So when I killed the rabbit, and she showed me how to start skinning the rabbit, right? So I'm skinning the rabbit and warming up the frying pan, some onions, some garlic, some salt and pepper. My father comes down, I said, what y'all doing? And he said, oh, we're skinning this rabbit because we're about to cook it. And he said, oh, y'all are doing that wrong. He said, champ, go get a rabbit. So I went, oh, cool. All right, went and got another rabbit. And he showed me how to skin the rabbit. Now, I don't remember the difference between the skin and the rabbit. So we took both those rabbits, put them in the frying pan, cooked them up and put them out of the frying pan and ate them. And they taste exactly the same. So my students say, why you tell us that? I said, because no matter how you skin a rabbit, it's going to taste the same. Just like working a math problem. Sometimes there's more than one way to do it, but the solution is going to be the same. Okay, if you could have a dinner party 
and invite whoever you wanted, past or present, who would it be? What type of food would you serve? And what type of music would you play? Me with my political leanings as an African-American male, Barack Obama would be one person I would invite. This is awesome. So every, I've asked this question from, from other people, pretty much all of them have said Barack and Michelle Obama. Yep, Michelle would be the second one. Yep, Barack and Michelle Obama. Oh. I would have, I've always said I would love to have a meal with uh, Nick Saban. Mm, mm. You know, I'm a I'm an LSU graduate. I'm a diehard LSU fan. Yeah, but he is impressive. I have, I've had the biggest crush on Nick Saban for so long. It's really? So we, oh my god! Yeah, he wins, and he's like he has a shitty attitude. He's always so funny. Oh my god! I'm obsessed with him. I watch his interviews when he like you can see him getting wound up. Something sets him off, and he just starts going off on the on the reporters. <laughs> I love watching that. I'm obsessed. Oh, yeah. I would totally have Nick Saban at a party because I just want to see, like, is he, how is his personality when he's not feeling antagonized by reporters or is that just who he is, you know? <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Robert Johnson. The blue singer? No, the, uh, I think I had the right name. The guy who donated $25 million to Morehouse. Oh, the billionaire guy. Robert Smith. Yeah, the billionaire <laughs> I thought you meant Robert Johnson, the guy that sold his soul to the devil, the blues musician, the old uh, blues. <laughs> <laughs> See where my head is. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly who it is. I know it's Faye. Okay. All right. Who else? Who else would I who else would I invite? Of course I would invite some of my good friends. Okay. I guess I'm making the assumption people I wouldn't normally have access to. Yes. Anybody you want. Like I said, they could be dead or alive. If you like, so like your ideal dinner party. Marvin Gaye will make it interesting. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. Marvin Gaye will make it interesting. Huh. Um, who else will make it um, interesting? I would like to have a conversation with. I'm not sure. Uh, Albert Einstein? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. You know, Percy Julian. Who is that? Percy LeVon Julian was a black chemist. Oh. And he um, invented, he did steroid chemistry. Huh. Taught at Howard University, was in Europe for a while, mm -hmm. and yeah, I did steroid human human uh, hormones, progesterone and testosterone from plant steroids, oh. a precursor to our birth control pills. Really? Yep. So I would invert, I would invite Percy Julian. Over 130 chemical patents. Oh my God. Yep. Yep. So I would I would that that would be cool to talk to Percy Julian. Oh my God. Okay, that was a great one. Those are some. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, this, he played basketball, yes? He played basketball. Yes, okay, I did that one. Now, now I'm going Mae Jemison. Mae Jemison. That's a, I know she's, what does she know she's for? Astronaut. She's a chemical engineer by training, if I remember Oh, correctly. okay, I know her. Yes, that, she's like the poster child. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she's from Alabama, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. She was born in Alabama. Like she's I believe so. Oh, wow. Nice. I would invite uh, Donica Patrick. Oh, the, the race car driver? Race car driver. Okay. That'd be cool to chat with her. Okay, that's really... Danica Patrick was on Impact Theory, which is one of my favorite podcasts, and oh. apparently she and her sister both kind of were doing the race car stuff, and the host, Tom Bill Yu, was like, so why did you get good at it? Why, why are you you now, and your sister is not doing it, you know? And she said, because I just didn't stop, and she was like... I sucked at it and she was like when my sister sucked at it she stopped and she was like I sucked at it and I like went back at it and got back and got better 
And she was like, the only difference was that she didn't, like, she wasn't good. And then she decided that she didn't want to pursue it because she wasn't good. Whereas I just was like, okay, I'm not good at it. I'm going to get better. And I was like, that's such a great, you know, I, I just love that. It's, it's impressive what she did to, I mean, it's difficult to win a NASCAR, mm-hmm. but it's impressive for her to transition from uh, IndyCars to NASCARs. Wow. And to be competitive. Mm. I mean, a lot of people make the mistake of only looking at winners, but just to be in that conversation is wow. Incredible. And to do that as a, one of the first females at that level and compete consistently was what mm. was impressive for her to do that. And then uh, I would invite Wanda Sykes. Really? Yeah, because I was thinking about a dinner party, you need somebody to keep it loose. <laughs> I love this. And, w- and Wanda could keep it loose. That's true. Oh my God, yeah, your so- answers are great. Okay. Cool. So what food would you have and what music would you play? Ooh, so I'd probably play some jazz, some straight ahead jazz, like some uh, John Coltrane, Miles Davis. Oh. Mixed up with a little bit of fusion, since Marvin's there, maybe a little bit of R&B. Nice. That would be the mix of mix of music. Mm-hmm. In terms of what I would serve, I would fire my uh, grill. I have a charcoal grill. Hold up, you can grill? Yeah, I grill. Yeah, oh. I grill. So I would, uh, I would get one of my sons to brine a turkey. Oh, I'd nice. probably grill a turkey. Nice. And I'd be, then I'd probably make an eggplant parmesan. That's one of my go-to dishes. Nice. i get my wife to make some uh, collard greens, probably. Oh. i make a pound cake for dessert. Oh, nice. I would have some uh, sweet tea. Nice and southern. Love it. Yeah. Have some water available. Have some uh, drinks available, especially have some bourbon. What are you currently binge watching? Oh, we just got finished. We just finished watching. I'm not a big binge watcher. Uh-huh. My sons, which on the group chat, they were talking about Tiger King. You know they're gonna do like some type of show, like a spoof on it, where Kate McKinnon from SNL is playing Carol. Oh really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if I will watch that. You don't think so? Because the the real thing was crazy enough. The real thing was crazy enough, and to be quite honest, I would not have watched that if I wasn't in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's I mean, like one. Sharknado, right? I think it's one of those viral things that just hit at the right time. Yeah, and that's what I'm like, saying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. Because yeah, like, I, mean, I feel like they're the other winner of quarantine. Like the the like, who are the winners? I'm like, Tiger King is a winner. Zoom is a winner. Peloton is a winner. If you could live in a sitcom or movie universe, what would it be? I want to say Marvel universe. I wasn't about to say Star Wars, but I want to say Marvel, Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. That would be cool. That's a lot of danger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, that would be cool. But wh- how? It doesn't seem like danger. That people die. Yeah, but it's a lot of excitement. That's Iron Man and, and, and Thor, right? Am yeah, I Iron right? Man, Thor. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, so, because I'm, I'm, that's my, doing this quarantine, I actually asked my sons yesterday which order should I watch the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, along with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That'd be really cool to do. So what would you be in the universe? Like, would you be, do you just want to exist in the universe, or would you want to be a part of the, the you know, main, you know, like, the, the people who are important in the universe? Are you just like, I just want to be there. I think primarily be there, but if I had to participate, I would be like one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Really? Yeah, that would be cool. Okay. Probably more realistic is, like, if I could participate in a day, live in a Days of Thunder universe where I get to drive NASCAR. <laughs> you love NASCAR? Yeah, I'd, I'd be down with that. You like, uh, did you like that movie, Talladega Nights? You know, I've seen bits and pieces of that movie. I've never seen the whole movie. Oh, it's really funny. I'm surprised. That's, I mean, what, that's what I hear. Yeah, I mean, it's it's screwball comedy, you know. It's 
you know, it's like, you know, Will Ferrell is like really over the top. So it's, you have to like the Will Ferrell type of comedy. If you had a time machine that could go back into any time in history just for a day, what day would you choose? It could be your personal life. It could be a time where you didn't exist that you want to see or a time that you want to relive from your real life, whatever you want. Wow. That's a good question. I would, you know, I've always been fascinated by civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. So the uh, March on Washington, mm. that would be cool to observe nice. or participate in. Maybe the um, Not Bloody Sunday, because I ain't trying to catch a beat down. Yeah, no, no. That's but, too real, too real. But on maybe more afterwards. Day. Yeah. Maybe some of the uh, coordinating meetings, like uh, SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, in terms nice. of planning meetings. Wow. To be part of that, that would be that would be cool. I love it. I love Maybe it. To hear uh, Malcolm X speak. Oh, that'll be a good one. I like to hear him live, speak live. That I mean that time of history yeah. from about sixty-two to about sixty-eight, sixty-nine. I was born in sixty-eight. When you start having kids, you appreciate. I'm like, wow, what my parents had to be thinking to oh. be a child around that time. Yeah, yeah, because they were a part of that. They were part of that. They were young. Yeah. And you have all these changes in society. Do they speak on that? Do they like did they ever talk about what they felt about that? Because that's a good point. Like I've never even thought about you know, I've never asked my them. mom. Yeah, I've never thought to ask this. So you just brought up a really great like you I would love to talk to my mom about that. In terms of bringing a child into the world at that time. Yeah. Dude, I got to get my mom on this podcast and ask her about that because that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you do think about that because when we had our children, we were pretty stable as a country. It was in the 90s. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of questions outside of normal questions about, you know, providing education and providing yeah. shelter. But I didn't have question marks about the country in itself. Yeah, and like just like the safety of, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know, I, I don't have kids, so I won't say you didn't have concerns about safety, but like in that regard, like the big movements, it was different concerns, at least in the 90s, and this is not going to sound like a good way to describe things are going well, but at least in the 90s, we had Martin and the Fresh Prince. At least there was happy life, if that makes any sense. Like, right. like if you got time to make sitcoms about, you know what I'm saying? I think that speaks to the state of affairs. We watching Martin and Fresh Prince and living single. And there's something to be said about the fact that that's what we are tuning into at that time versus in 68, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. There was a lot of that, actually. Right. That seems really, like, hard to live or hard to manage through, you know? Like you said, raising kids and that uncertainty. hmm You know, and if, if this is happening at that level, what does that speak to for me and my children? Right. What's the kindest thing you've ever experienced? I haven't seen this three times up close. Mm. To carry a child for nine months. Mm. And give birth to that child and care for that child mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think people appreciate. I mean, women women who have given birth appreciate this. Mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate this until how much sacrifice someone makes during a pregnancy. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear giving birth is painful, mm-hmm. but 
I think the majority of the men would mm-hmm. be okay with the pain part of giving birth. Mm-hmm. It's the nine months leading up to it. Ah. That I don't think most men will put up with. Yeah. I mean, there's so many changes that you go through. Yeah. That yeah. that's a that's a sacrifice. It, it is. And I mean, that's a huge ch- sacrifice. Crappy day. You get home, walk in the house, and you ask Alexa to play what? One of my good friends from college, he lost his wife. Mm. She was in her mid-40s, uh, breast cancer. God. He, he was looking for songs to make him happy. Wow. In terms of the process and everything, the grieving process and everything. Wow. I responded to his tweet, a couple of songs I thought about, but I would, uh, Life on a Planet Groove, an album by uh, Maceo Parker. Mm. It's a very happy album. Mm. Good, soulful, happy music. Okay, one has to go. Marvin Gaye, John Coltrane, or Michael Jackson? Ooh. <laughs> I must have mentioned all three of those at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I know. Coltrane stays. Ooh, okay. Coltrane definitely stays. No question Coltrane stays. Interesting. I used to listen to a lot of got John Coltrane, and then <laughs> I listened to uh, Love Supreme, Ooh. and then... Uh, he has an Africa Brass album. He has Olay, but down listen to Love Supreme again. Mm. He has a Meditations album. And yeah, Coltrane stays. No, no question about <laughs> it. And then Michael Jackson and Marvin Gaye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, so as much as I love Marvin. <gasps> oh. And th- this is my logic. Okay. This is my logic. Michael Jackson has such a large library musical selections mm, mm-hmm. that can satisfy so many different moods mm-hmm, mm. that I would, as much as I would miss Marvin, to me, Marvin doesn't have as much breadth yeah. in terms of his library music. And yeah, and just because I guess maybe because he passed away so early. Because he passed away early, right. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, Michael, I mean, Michael can find music that make me happy. I can mm-hmm. dance. Mm-hmm. If I want to reflect on life, mm-hmm. I can listen to something make me reflect on life. Yeah. I'm trying to set a mood for a romantic night. Yep. I can do that with Michael Jackson. Yep. If I'm angry, I can listen to Michael Jackson. Yep. So I'm going to read you the question and then just give advice like you would be giving advice to somebody in your family if they asked you. That's okay. It. All right. So here it goes. Okay. Dear cousin, I'm the mother of three adult children who moved out of the family home to start their own lives. I lived alone for more than five years and I never had a problem with emptiness syndrome. I cannot stress enough how much I love the solitude. Four months ago, my 33-year-old daughter moved back in with me with her dog after breaking up with her long-term boyfriend, whom she lived with in another state. Of course, if my children need shelter, my home is always open, so it was only natural that I would welcome her and her dog. The problem is that she has an active social life, and it's like active, like like leading active. Since uh-huh. she moved, yeah. <laughs> Since she moved into my home, there has been a steady stream of men coming over and spending time in her bedroom. They usually only stay an hour or two, but this weekend I woke up to find a man leaving my house. While I am angry and upset, I tried to be rational and explain that my home is my sanctuary and that I don't appreciate all the men she has coming and going 
like it's Grand Central Station and that I really don't appreciate her having men stay overnight, especially without my knowledge or permission. She's angry with me and giving me this silent treatment. Full disclosure, I like the quiet, so I'm okay with it. She refuses to see my position and I don't understand why. Can you help me clarify for her my feelings on this subject? What advice would you give her cousin? <laughs> Let's unpack this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so Yeah. So a lot of that a lot of situations like that, in mm-hmm. my this is my this is my opinion since it's an interview. Yeah. It's my this opinion. is this is me asking you for advice. A lot of that goes back to basic child rearing. But since we can't go back in time and turn back the clock with respect to respect and actions and behavior, mm-hmm. she needs to set a deadline with her daughter mm-hmm. in which her daughter needs to move out. Yeah, totally to agree. Peace. That's, totally that's, agree. That's, that's, that, that's the reality of it. I mean, yes. because she provides a transition place mm-hmm. for her daughter to lay her head in a time of need. Mm-hmm. But she is no longer responsible for providing a home. Yeah. That's I, so that, I mean, that's a message I relate to my adult children. I have three mm-hmm. adult sons. I'm willing to help them. Mm-hmm. They have a place to lay their head, but they need to go out and establish their own home. And would you it. have Would you have any struggle? Because, I mean, because think about it. Now, she could be depressed. <laughs> I mean, she could. I mean, that's the reality. I mean, that's the reality of it. But yeah. you're, when you're pulling to issues with respect to your own safety, mm-hmm. Being, mm. you have to draw the line, and I mean, and that's a decision she would have to make in terms of well, what is whether she's willing to sacrifice herself. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a good point. And that's the reality of it. Me personally, I would not be able to. I would not be willing to sacrifice myself for one of my adult children in that particular matter. Really? Not in that particular would matter. You, no, in terms would you of, be challenged? Would you be challenged? Like, would you would you have a hesitation, or would you, are you like, nah, this is pretty clear. I'm I legit would not feel bad saying to you, boom, here's the deal. Or would you have some trepidation? Or would your wife have trepidation? Like, how would that conversation go? Do you think no, she would be on the same page? We we would be on the same page with that. That's crossing the boundary in terms of having a steady stream of adults you don't know coming into your home. Yeah, that, that, that's a danger issue, and I would not be willing to compromise on that. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. The way you took that question, I didn't think about it from a safety perspective in any way. I just was thinking about just the, like, you know, the mother-daughter conflict. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's not even about the sexuality and sexual expression, whatever that looks like. Yeah. To me, it's just in terms of your bow individuals coming in, that, that, that's, a, that's a different, that's a completely different level. When I first read it, I was thinking, especially from my perspective, so my perspective was I know when I got divorced, I stayed with my mom for a very little while um, before I moved out. But I think the difference in my perspective, I was eager to leave. So it was like I had an internal deadline. You know what I mean? Like I had, like, it's like, well, I'm moving to Dallas in a month. So this is a very temporary thing. And my mom was really, really cool about it. I, I understand what you're saying about the role changes are you able to really lean into that and respect that? Because I feel like it's easier said than done on that. Because, like, do you, I, I don't know. I, and obviously, I do not have kids. Right. <laughs> so I just imagine that it's very difficult to be like, to like, you know, helicopter parent. Or like when you see them doing something to approach it from a more of that mentor space. Because it is amazing to yeah, do. So- but like, how do you fight that urge, that natural, like, you're my five-year-old and I need to keep you from falling type thing. So, 
so my go-to phrase to remind myself and also to remind them when I feel like I want to slip back being into parent mode, mm-hmm. I will say out loud, I literally say this out loud and they chuckle. I say, the child psychologist says I'm supposed to start treating you like an adult. Really? And that's a reminder to me that, okay, I have to treat them like an adult. Oh, oh. And, 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 and that's, I mean, and I'm fortunate in some ways because I work with a lot of young people. Mm. I'm a professor. Mm. I know I made mistakes along the way. And I know, I know that's part of the deal mm-hmm. because it, that, that's how you navigate life. Yeah. And, that they, they, and everyone has to figure it out in terms of what makes them happy and what works for them. Yeah. And you, you only, I'm a very learn by doing person. So I totally get that. I know it's a lot of parents, in my opinion, mm-hmm. try to protect their children from making mistakes. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's important to make for children to make mistakes when the stakes are really low. Mm-hmm. When they're younger. Yeah. When they're younger. Because mistakes may seem huge to them at the time, but mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, long term, and I'll let you talk about a crime or something, a major yeah. crime. Yeah, well, I would say sure. a major crime. Yeah. Agree. The mistakes yeah. are, are really small and they you hopefully learn lessons from that. And they gain get confidence. Mm-hmm. In terms of recovering from mistakes, they establish their, their self-esteem from recovering from mistakes. I agree. Yeah, that's that, I mean, that's part, that's part of the deal. That's I mean, so some people say where they're doing well, but I mean, which they are. But, okay. but still, I think a lot of that goes back in terms of from day one. Yeah. Are you raising your child? My wife used to always say, I want to raise my children where I would feel like dealing with them once they become adults. Mm. I think a lot of people, a lot of people tolerate behavior because, you know, they say, oh, that's cute. But for a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a seven-year-old or whatever, yeah, someone gets 30 and 40 when somebody throws a tantrum. Yeah, so it's like y'all looked at the the long-term effects in the, in the like, you know, it's like, what's that, what's that phrase, um, instant gratification versus right. long-term right. strategy. Right. right. So like, y'all are like, okay, in this moment, this is what we're going to have to do in order for that future. That was thoughtful. Yep, yep, yep. you set standards and you have the expectations of meeting the standards. That is crazy cool, I love that. Thanks for listening to the Bites and Banter podcast by UniversalPlaylist.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and share with your folks. And of course, drop me a line if you want some family advice or just to tell me the last great thing you ate. Until next time, friends. Manatees in the DNA. In the DNA.